Well, thank you for that warm welcome, and it's good to be back here again at Open Heavens. And um, I've been looking forward to coming. Um, yes, it's a, it's a journey that I've been on, and um, so you're a part of that journey. Um, my husband was an apostolic father to this church, and he was, an, he was an elder here, and as Pastor Ray said, 60 years he was your pastor. And so um, he probably spoke at this church almost more times than any church other than where his kids pastor, because you were one of his kids. He spoke to churches of 10,000, 15,000, but he took just as seriously coming to your church and blessing you. So today I'm going to do something that I've never done before and may never do again. But because he was a father to this church, um, I will be as though it was Apostle Paul giving his last charge to one of his churches. Um, Dick had a little black book that he kept, and he wrote down every message that he spoke. So I looked up Garland, Texas, and there were all the messages that he'd given. And so today, I'm going to summarize those messages to you as a way of remembrance for some of you who've been here all these years. And for some of you who are new, you'll grasp the concept, and then you're going to have to study it a little further for yourself. But um, we're not going to be all day because I have a plane to catch this afternoon, although my, my watch is still on Pacific time, so it's only 9 a.m. for me, so we might be here a little longer. No, not really. But um, I'm just going to go through them, and um, we'll tie it up at the end. But... Um, his first, the first one I would like to talk about is the power of a faith attitude, which was really his life message. And um, there are three kinds of faith that he would teach. There's saving faith, which we all hopefully here have encountered. There's um, the gift of faith. And there's then what he called the attitude of faith. Approaching life with the attitude of faith releases the power and provision of God. Um, if you, do you want miracles? Say what God says. Say what God says about your situation. Um, determined to live a life agreeing with what God says. We, you know, we can't depend on our five senses. Did you know that? We have a sixth sense, and that's the word of God. And so um, if we live by only what we see and what we hear, we're going to live a defeated life. Um, if we can read the word, I can even preach it, but if we don't embrace it, once again, we'll, we'll be defeated. So, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When I'm weak, the Lord is my strength. When I'm facing an obstacle, if God be for me, who can be against me? When I'm looking at the budget, my God shall supply all my needs. And so... We begin to program our speech to agree with what God says. Um, that's one area where he helped me greatly because I, I uh, as my husband, I mean, I was amazed that to the very end he spoke faith. Faith, faith. In fact, you know, um, 
I, I spoke to his uh, cardiologist after he had passed away. I, I happened to meet her on the street at the hospital, and she was shocked. She said, uh, what happened? He was, you know, here one day and gone the next. And, and I said, well, he had a diagnosis of such and such. And, she sa- and he said, but, but if he would have even known the diagnosis, he would have said, no, I don't have it. I don't, I don't claim that. You know, sometimes we take disease and we say, my, we claim my disease. It's not ours. And so we, we watch the words of our mouth. We don't, we don't claim it as ours. It came from the pit, and that's where it stays. So watch your words. That's what I would like to say. Um, faith to conquer the storms of life. The Bible is a book of storms. And um, he liked to say that one-third of you are in a storm right now. A third of you have just come out of a storm, and a third of you are heading for a storm. And um, Psalm 107, 25 to 31, For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're at your wit's end? Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And Psalm 148.8 says, Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. So, when we're in the middle of the storm, sometimes we wonder why. But really the purpose of all storms is change. Did you know that we don't change in our comfort zone? There's no reason to change when we're in our comfort zone. And so, as I told the ladies yesterday, uh, God didn't promise us a silk pillow that he would carry us on all the way to heaven. We have to live in this world. And so, the Bible tells us from glory to glory, he's changing me. And he changes us by way of the storm. When God brings you to nothing, it's never to destroy you, but to reroute your life. The bottom line is, you must hurt enough to admit a need, be honest enough to ask for help, and humble enough to learn. And you will find yourself coming out of the storm into that haven that he has for you. The law of waiting. The definition of maturity is the ability to postpone a legitimate desire until the appropriate time. Whenever there's a delay between a promise and its fulfillment, ask yourself these questions. Am I causing the delay? Is this a satanic attack? Does God have something better in mind? Many times we've received a prophecy, maybe, and you think it's going to come to pass tomorrow but it doesn't. Sometimes it takes years. In fact, I was prophesied over in 1983, and I see 
things in that prophecy coming to fulfillment now that I never would have dreamed of then. In fact, the very fact that I'm standing in front of you speaking is a result of that prophetic word. In those days, my college friends laughed because they never would have seen me standing in front of people. But it took time. And so, where do you get your spiritual muscles? You know what? It's not in the answer. It's in the waiting. It's while we wait that we develop our spiritual muscles. The one thing that we must always do is keep a right response to God. You know, if he takes a dream away from us, it's probably because he has a better one. Something better than that dream. And did you know God's a debtor to no man? Our response will determine our future. In the waiting time, our response determines our future. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. In, his, in its time, not our time. Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord, all because I waited patiently for the Lord. And Romans 8.28 tells us that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we say we know, you know, all things work together. Did you know that we can take an isolated incident and we don't see how that fits into the whole plan and we can lose our faith based over one thing that happened. But when we look at all things... God works everything together. It's as though the artist is starting to paint his picture and he makes one, one smudge on the canvas and you say, that's just a smudge. And he says, look, I've got a whole lot more to do with this canvas. Don't judge me on that one smudge. And sometimes we judge God based on one incident if we realize that he's working it all. And even... Even when we've messed up back there in the storm, you know, sometimes um, we cause a storm and sometimes we're totally innocent. But no matter what, the purpose has changed when we respond to God in a right way. And speaking of response, another message was the key of David. Revelations 3, 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. What was the key? David knew how to correctly respond to God in every situation. He was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't sinless. We know that. But still God said, he's a man after my heart. One, he valued the presence of God above everything else. He didn't, it, even when his wife mocked him, it didn't, it didn't faze him. He said, I will praise the Lord. You know, he lost a child. Regardless of circumstances, he trusted in the character of God. When his child died, what did he do? 
he went into the presence of the Lord and worshipped. When he was confronted with sin, the prophet came and confronted him. He said, I have sinned, not we have sinned, or it was her fault. I have sinned. He took responsibility for his sin. If you will study his life, you will find numerous examples of the way David responded to God. The key of David, if you have it, if you rightly respond to God in every situation, it will open doors for you that no one can shut. And it will keep doors closed that you don't want to have opened in your life. Remember, rightly respond to God. This is the Reader's Digest version. Mercy and truth. As believers, we are to declare the word and demonstrate the word. The world is waiting for us to demonstrate the gospel. And if you can't demonstrate the gospel, you're not going to be able to sell it. Proverbs 3, 3 to 4, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. The Amplified Version says, do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Instead, let these qualities define you. Bind them securely around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. A favorite illustration, back in the day when salesmen used to come to the door and we would actually let them in. So you have a vacuum cleaner salesman who comes and says, I've got the best vacuum there is out there. And, of course, before you're even going to consider buying it, you want to see it demonstrated. He plugs it in. He turns it on. It goes, bang, and the bag breaks, and dust goes all over your house. Are you going to buy? Okay, how many of us Christians demonstrate the gospel in a way that's going to turn people off? We've got to be able to demonstrate it. And first comes mercy, then comes truth. We try to cram truth down their throats but we're not demonstrating what it really means to live the life. Compassion, key to the supernatural. Why do we seek the supernatural? Is it to give us goosebumps? No, it's because we have compassion. Compassion literally means to suffer together. It's defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's sufferings and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. When you study the miracles of Jesus, you will see most everyone prefaced by, he was moved with compassion. And I think uh, in our day and age, so many people are seeking the signs and the wonders, the supernatural, but why? Is it just to see, or is it because we have compassion? Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Matthew 14, 14, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Mark 1, 41, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand. May we have compassion, and may that compassion be what motivates us to seek the supernatural. 
Love what he loves. The church is the wife of Jesus. That's was the last message that Dick spoke here in 2017, February of 2017. God has seen the church from the foundation of the world. He saw a triumphant people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and he saw them as the apple of his eye, a peculiar treasure on the earth on which he lavished his love. The church is the visible embodiment of Christ on the earth, God's eternal purpose. Jesus Christ is the center, the instrument is the church, and the purpose is to, is to extend God's kingdom or rule throughout the whole earth. And so how do we treat the church? Well, Ephesians 5, 25 to 32 tells us, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might be sanctified and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. We, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. When you fall in love with the church, you will treat it in a different way. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that, the, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So he's saying, the hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. And you know why? Because what's our first reaction when a stone comes flying through the air? You might be the seer in the church, but you need that person who's going to put their hand up and stop that stone. How many examples do we have? There may be people up here on the worship team but they have no greater importance than the person who's the usher or the person who's greeting at the door or the person who's working in the nursery right now. We must value each one and love the church as Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, God wants believers to produce fruit, and fruit grows on trees that are planted a tumbleweed blowing through the desert might look really impressive as it gathers other sticks, 
but it never produces fruit. And so, a believer who refuses to be planted in a local church is a spiritual tumbleweed. Are you a member of the church or a church? Think about it. I say it with a smile, but there's a lot of truth there. We want to bear fruit. Four things that will keep you alive and well until Jesus comes. Very simple. Even you teenagers over there, this is for you. It'll keep you alive and well. Number one, a daily intake of God's word. Psalm 1, 2 to 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. His delight is in the law of the Lord. My husband used to love McDonald's. He loved the fast food. And he said that God gave us a fast food section in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Right there in the center. Psalms and Proverbs. He said, if you need a quick one, you can go there and you can get a Big Mac. Now, there are times where we really need to study other parts of the Bible. But if you need some quick food that's going to give you something for the day, you can always find it in Psalms and Proverbs. So it doesn't take a half hour. It can take three minutes or five minutes, and you just get enough to feed you for that day. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us that, pray without ceasing. And Luke 18, 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men are always to pray and not lose heart. Have you ever had a neighbor or a friend that the only time you saw them was when they came and needed something? How often are we like that with God? Do we have a daily communication with him or do we show up when we need something? How do we feel about that kind of a person? We don't really see them as a true friend, do we? You know, uh, Dick and I started out every morning, every single morning, um, with the scripture that really became our prayer. We prayed more than this, but this was the way we started our day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For we will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and so shall we be saved from our enemies. The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. And you know something? Throughout the day, many, many times, something would happen, and, and we'd say, he just saved us from our enemy. You know, we're in the parking lot at the store, and out, we're driving, and out comes a shopping cart could have just hit our car and just done enough damage to just bother us. It stopped. Thank you, you saved us from our enemies. And um, I think that many times we forget to thank God for saving us from our enemies. We get upset at the one time that something happens, and we forget that there were ten things that could have happened that he saved us from. And so um, that's my declaration. You know, the other day I was in a left-turn lane, the light turned green for me to turn left, and a car ran a red light. 
And I said, thank you, Jesus. You just saved me from my enemy. I just, I, I didn't take off immediately when that light turned. You stopped me and you saved me from my enemy. So, you know, daily communication with the Lord and thanking him for that. Don't allow the precious to become common. Your family, your church family, worship, the gathering of ourselves together, don't let it become common. May it remain precious in your lives. Number four, don't underestimate the intelligence of Satan. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Second Corinthians 2 tells us that Satan, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The context of that verse is in the area of forgiveness. I just want to tell you that when we are not willing to forgive, we are letting the enemy take advantage. We're giving him a foothold in, foothold in our lives, and we should not be ignorant of that. I, I met with a, a gal just a couple weeks ago who has an estrangement in her life, and I said to her, is there anything, I was hoping she could open a door. I said, is there anything that you could ask him forgiveness for? Is there anything that you could ask forgiveness for? No. And my heart just sunk because I thought, you know, in any of our relationships, there's something I could find to ask forgiveness for if I thought it would open the door for them to begin to ask forgiveness. So don't let Satan come and take advantage in the area of forgiveness, in the area, many, many areas, but just remember that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. A quote I read uh, um, not long ago was, I never knew how strong I was until I had to forgive someone who wasn't sorry and accept an apology I never received. Sometimes for our sake, we must forgive, even when no forgiveness has been asked. But we... We, we keep our spirit clear. You know, uh, I have a new car, and it never ceases to amaze me. I recently went on a long road trip, and um, if, if it gets too close to the white line on the right or the left, the steering wheel vibrates, and it actually pulls my car back over into the lane. And um, a couple of times on this trip, a light came up that said, driver attention low. I don't know how it figures this out, but it's the honest to God truth. And then it came up with time for a break and it showed a coffee cup. Okay. Now, also the tire pressure gauge is very finicky. Uh, most every road trip, it'll come up with a if there's a change in temperature, it somehow tells me that there's a problem. And um, I've checked it two or three times. I, you know, I go to the tire center, and everything's fine. So I've learned how to actually turn it to recalibrate it myself and get it back to normal. But guess what? The other day, I had recalibrated it, but I had a problem. The tire pressure had gone very low in one tire, and I had to have it repaired. So I would like to say to you, Suppose we ha all had a dashboard with indicator lights for our soul. And so we're going to take this message and we're going to check our indicator lights. 
Where are you at with your faith level? Are you saying what God says about your situation? Would there be a caution light in this area? Most often we don't have a warning that says storm ahead. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, Perhaps you're in the middle of a storm today. It might be financial. It might be the loss of a job. It might be relational. It might be a health challenge. Change is on the way if you keep your faith. Perhaps you're in that waiting time between the promise and the fulfillment. The warning light might come up and say, patience needed. It's muscle building time. Maintain your patience. Have you been using your key? When you rightly respond to life situations, the doors open that no man can shut. How's your mercy and truth level? Are they in balance? Are you out of balance? All about truth? Not so much on mercy? Way too much on the mercy side and forgetting that we have a responsibility to share the truth as well. How about our compassion level? Would we have a a warning light come up there? How about your love for the local church? Are you planted here? Are you bearing fruit? You're not going to be that tumbleweed that gathers sticks and in the end has no fruit. And lastly, we want to be alive and well to the very end in our love for the word, our prayer life, our value of things precious, and not giving Satan any advantage. Those are my summary of the words that were given to you over the last 25 years. And I pray that you've taken them to heart and that you will war a good warfare with the words that have been given today. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for those who have yet to come. This church has much to give. They have much love to give. They have um, just a wonderful place. It's a place of safety, Lord. And so I'm believing that growth is going to come, Lord, not just to say we have numbers, but because there are hurting people out there that need what this church has. But, Lord, I pray that today each one of us would check the dashboard of our soul. And if there's one area that was shared today where we need to to think about and contemplate what we need to do there. I just pray that you would come and prick our hearts, Lord. Let us not go home and just say, oh, yeah, that, there were a few points in that message, but let, him take it, let us take it to heart now. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many of you can say amen to that word? Boy, she, she that was a... 
powerful word, and I have never heard a word like that, but boy, she covered all the basis of over the years that Pastor Iverson, by the way, I love a copy of that black book. <laughs> that, that was awesome. You know, I want to do something. Uh, uh, you've, you've, how long has Pastor Iverson been gone now? 16 months. I was wondering if our elders, John, David, could you come up? Actually, Carol and Kathy and Kim, would you come up? I want to pray over her. Uh, and the reason is, is I just felt as she was ministering, she is, she's continuing what Pastor Iverson and her did. And uh, even though Pastor Iverson has gone home to be with the Lord, I, I as, as you were ministering today, I, I really felt the Lord just give me a, a quick word that the mantle has shifted and it's on you. And, and the Lord, the, the, you know, the Lord placed you there in his life and you've been married, you united. But I, the Lord just impressed on me. I've given her the same mantle. Remember when Elijah left and he says, if you stay with me to the end. And he did. And the Lord says she carries a double portion. And uh, I, I'm not kidding. I, I just felt the Lord says, pray over her. So I, I, I want to pray over you, uh, Roxy, because you're, there is a uh, battle with ministries today, and you've always been on the front line. Roxy has served in the MFI office as a secretary, and she... You know, there's a lot of people hear things in a congregation, but she has seen things behind the scenes. And she knows what elders and leaders and pastors and apostles and prophets, what they go through. She's, she's been there. But there is a, there's an impartation, and there is a truth. And today you just minister tremendous. There's a, it's amazing what in Mark chapter 1, I was thinking of this as well. It says, they marveled at the, the word of the Lord that came from Jesus and how he spoke with authority. There's an authority in a man that way. Can, can we just pray with you? And if any of you have a word, uh, in fact, do, do any of you have anything right now that you'd like to share? David, do you have something? I know David it's it's incomplete. Um, uh, but as long as I could remember, Roxy, um, there's... You, you, when you see um, the person, you see Brother Dick on stage, and he's be sh- he would be sharing. But you know the you know the mechanics. You know you were seeing like the screen, but everything that really was going on was in her court. And um, it's so cool to uh, f- from someone who loves to see how things actually work to open the door and hear from her heart to see what God's expressing. It's going to. It's going to bring an understanding to the body of Christ because, you know, it's, it's one thing when you just get to watch what's going on, but then you get to open it up and actually see the interest, intricacies of, of the scriptures and the kind of the backstory of what God is doing. So a lot of those mechanics, my generation, we want to know how it's built. And um, your delivery, even though you might not think, has I don't know, but it has that umph in it. It has the ability to articulate the backstory, which is what we're all about. That's it. 
think one of the things that I've, I've learned from Sister Roxy is the word honor. She honors the Lord first, and she's honored her husband, and she's honored the body of Christ. And honor to the point of to an individual. She comes to the individual, and uh, she's got the word, the word, the word, the word in her, and always has a word for somebody. It isn't just, I think, no, it's what the word says. And I honor, I honor the Jesus in you because you've honored the body of Christ and you've enriched my life. And I watched you enrich Pastor Iverson and his family throughout all these years. You honored every one of them. And I thank you for that. Thank you for that. Let's just extend your hands, would you? Father, we just thank you for the servant of the Lord. We thank you for Roxy Iverson. Lord, we recognize, Lord, the mantle, an apostolic mantle upon her life, as well as a prophetic mantle. And Lord, even as she served with Pastor Iverson, there's been a shift. And even in the days ahead, you're going to experience many coming and they're going to ask you. They're going to seek you out. And they're even going to seek you out privately. Yes. Because they trust yes. in you. Not just because you were with Pastor Iverson. But the Lord has given you your own mantle. Right, right, right. You it. have your own mantle. That's it. That's it. That's it. And uh, you're not to even say, well, I was just the wife of Pastor Iverson. No, the Lord brings you into a new day. And there's going to be those even in high places that will seek you out and say, Roxy, don't just pray for me, but I need the wisdom of the Lord. And you're going to have a quick answer. The Lord has given you a mind and he's given you the eye of an eagle and an ear to hear the word of the Lord and to see into situations that you will speak to, even at times I've given you a boldness to even speak boldly without fear of man and without fear of what's going on. You will speak. At times, you have trembled, but you're going to speak with an authority because the Lord has given you an understanding and confidence. And at times, they might even reject it, but in time, they will say, thank you for obeying the Lord. There's not only wisdom and mercy, but there's a compassion and a shepherd's mantle upon you, Roxy. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've given her the grace to balance mercy and truth as she ministers life because there are shepherds and leaders today that are bewildered. There's many that are discouraged. There's many that have decided to give up on the call and move in a different direction because of the shift in our culture and the change that is taking place. But the Lord has given you a word of faith. The Lord has given you a word of power. And even, I, I just sense, even on your hands, there is healing in your hands. 
lay hands on the sick. Lay hands on the oppressed because there is a pure river. There's an anointing because there is a purity. There is a separation. You have separated. You've, sa- you've said, I will give myself to the Lord. And because the river is pure, you have clean hands and a pure heart, you can speak to those even in sin, and the Lord will set the captive free. Lay hands on them. Speak words, and the words will carry power and life. And the anointing will break the yoke. Father, we thank you for the servant of the Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in Roxy's life. It's a new chapter. It's a new day. Many years are ahead. There are changes in culture, changes in time. There are changes in our community, our society. But you are going to see the shift and change in the Lord, even as in the days of Daniel. Daniel saw shifts with different leaders. And the the Lord anointed and blessed him with wisdom, understanding, to understand the signs of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. You will have that. We thank you, Father, for that. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I just saw a, a delivery method that you're bringing that is so much different than so many other ministries. It'll be a deliverance ministry that will be a flowing river. It's almost like the river that goes through a canyon and the rock slowly gets uh, changed in the direction of the river. And your method is a gentle river going and flowing through the rock, but yet changing the rock and changing even the course of the river because it's a method that God has given you and your method is not anybody else's method. So do not change the method that God has given you. Go with that soft flow that the Lord has given you because your ministry will be one that will be a ministry that changes things over time. You may not see immediate changes. Yes, you will see some immediate changes, but there'll be some things that you will not see. It'll be a long period of time, but the deliverance message that you bring will be a river, a river of life that will cut through the hard places, cut through the rock in a way that no other method would work, but it's a method that God has chosen for you to deliver. Thank you, Jesus. Simple. What I see with you, Roxy, is just that, that and and that sweet honesty that's standing on the rock that will not be moved. And uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you even better. And I know God's got amazing things ahead. And we yes, we thank yes. you for coming. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? How many of you were blessed with our sister this morning? And uh, I, I just know there's a tremendous thing ahead of her. Uh, we're just going to pray, and then we'll release you. But I, I, before you leave, would you come down and give her a hug? Just bless her. She's been part of our church, and she still is. It's such a blessing as a, as a leader, a speaker, and a sister in the Lord. We sure appreciate her heart and the heart uh, 
of God on her. Father, we thank you for this day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will not only rejoice today, but tomorrow through the week, and Lord, in our ongoing life. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us life. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given in the body, such as Pastor Iverson and Sister Roxy here. We thank you for their lives and the impartation that they bring, Lord, to us, the clarity, the vision, the strength, that the church of Jesus Christ might be edified and built up and established in the earth so that the earth will know and see the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Father, be with your people today. I pray your peace to be upon your people this afternoon. Just continue to pour out your presence upon us, Lord, in every way, and we give you thanks. Amen. Turn to someone, give them a heart. We love you this morning. God bless you in Jesus' name.